Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Here we've been in this series, the Ephesus Exhortation. This is when the Apostle Paul was given his, really his farewell address to the leaders, the elders of the church of Ephesus. He couldn't stop, he couldn't spend a lot of time with them, but he knew in his spirit that this was the last time that he would be speaking to them, that they would see his face. Man, it's nice to know where you're going, where you're coming from, and not just being bounced around in life. He said, I know you're not going to see my, my face any longer. This will be my last time through here. He knew uh, he would be laying down his life shortly. Think about that. You know, if you, if you knew these people you love, you cherish, like family. You know, this is your family. And these are your last words to them. I mean, you'd want to say things that really count and that would really make a difference, that would really hold them over, help them through whatever would come their way in life. And he knew, of course, by the Spirit, the kind of things that would come, and he talks about it in his exhortation. But, but he's giving them his heart. He's giving him, them everything that he can in just this little message This little time that he has with them. And that's why I believe it's just so packed with revelation for you and I. So let's go through it. Verse 23. He says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here, the Apostle Paul mentions two things. Number one, he says that I may finish my race. My race. And then he mentions the ministry. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. So he said that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord. So like we said last time, we all have a race and we all have a ministry. And the race or your race is all about your life, how you live your life. Your ministry is all about how you help other people live their life. So first, there's your race or your life that's important. Your life is important. I've heard it said that If you were the only one in the world, God would have sent his son to die for you. To die just for you. God so loved the world. You could personalize it and say, God so loves me. Because he had you 
on his mind when he went to the cross. Isn't it amazing how personal God can be? He's such a big God, such a massive God. He knows everything about everyone and everything. And yet, he's not at all distracted from you. I mean, he meets with you, he meets with me, he meets with us like we're the only one in the world. Like he's got nothing else going on. And I'm like, there's a lot going on. And not just on earth. I'm sure there's a whole lot going on in heaven and who knows wherever else. Wherever, you know, there's other, who knows what kind of creatures are out there. In the universe, in the galaxy. But God, no matter what's going on, sometimes I look at the stars at night, I look at the moon, I look at, I just think how big, how amazing it all is, and yet it's like, he's right here, listening to me, ready to talk to me, to be personal with me. Incredible. And you really got to have a handle on both of them, how big he is, how massive he is. I mean, he's more than enough. And yet, he's not too busy for you. He listens to you and he cares about the the smallest details of your life. Every little detail of your life, God is concerned about it. So he's concerned about your life. He wants you to live your life in such a way that you succeed, that you prosper, that you live a healthy, long life. That's his desire. What is it, uh, 2 John? It says... Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Above above all things, I desire for you to prosper. What? You succeed. You to do better and better and better. For you to conquer. For you to win and be in health. Be strong. Not have pain in your body. But to live a long, healthy, strong, prosperous life. Man, God desires that. He says, above all else, for you. Got to get a hold of that. How much he really cares for you, how much he loves you, how much he wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to win your race. And then your ministry, of course, again, is to help others win their race. Because even though he may have died just for you, he didn't. He's died for the whole world. It's God's desire that all come to repentance, that all turn their hearts over to him and are saved. We know, according to the words of Jesus, the majority of the people in the world won't. There'll be more that'll reject the Lord, walk in darkness, and spend eternity in hell than there'll be those that turn their hearts over to him give their lives to him, and follow him. But you and I are here to help bring other people into the knowledge of the goodness of God. Bring them into the knowledge of the love of God, the love that God has for them. That's a part of why we're here. And so really to to really live your life to the full, you need to be interested in fulfilling your ministry. Yet your ministry is not your life, and your life is not your ministry. But they both need each other. Your life needs the ministry. It needs to care about other people. 
to really be a successful life, you need to care about other people. Yet right on the other hand, you need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you're growing in faith. You're growing in your relationship with God. We don't want to just tell others about how good God is. We want to be growing in our knowing how good God is for ourselves. How good he is to me. And then we can overflow into other people's lives. So he said the race is about the way you live and your ministry is about the way you give. And we need to be good at both. Hebrews chapter 12, I want to look at that again with you. Hebrews the the 12th chapter. And in the first verse it says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So notice, lay aside the weight in your personal life he's talking about. See, he's talking about, see, in talking about the race, he's talking about your personal life. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the sin. Lay aside the, st- the things that ensnare you, that hold you down, that, pr- that distract you and keep you from God's purpose for your life. He said, you need to lay those things aside for yourself. That's what you need to do so that you can run your race with endurance, that you don't run out of energy, but that you finish What you have begun. I want to complete the work that God's called me to do in the earth. I don't want to be just someone that started and ran halfway and did really good for a while and then pooped out. You know, just, 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 just fell apart. Got off track. Got distracted. Didn't finish it. Man, I'm in it to win it. That means I'm in it to, I'm in it to finish. I want to finish. I want to go out of here strong. Don't you? Praise God. So, again, he's just showing us here that the race is personal. It's about the way you live your life. Verse 2, preaching about Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Looking unto Jesus. See, not just telling others about Jesus, but looking unto Jesus for yourself. Looking unto Jesus. How often should you be looking unto Jesus? Huh? All the time. Looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. How do I look unto Jesus? I can't see Jesus. Well, Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. So we get to know Jesus by getting to know the Word. We look unto Jesus by looking unto the Word of God. And so, you know, when things are going on in life, no matter what it may be, we always look to see what Jesus says about it. What the Word says about it. What does the Word say about this? Well, what's your feeling? Well, what's the Word say? What's your opinion? What's the Word say? Because really, opinions come, feelings go, but the Word of our God endures forever. Is that word endure? We want to run the race with endurance. Where do we get our endurance from? The Word, because the Word of our God endures forever. The Word never gets worn out. It doesn't get worn out, you know. 
Like I've had people say to me, say, well, you know, I, what happens if the symptoms persist? You know, I've spoken the word of God. I've put my faith in God's word, but what happens, what happens if the circumstances persist? I tell them, well, you know, if you go over there, like, for instance, to 1 Peter 2.24, where it says, by whose stripes or wounds, talking about Jesus, you were healed. I said, see, now, if you go over there, you'll see it's still there. It's persisting, too. God's word's persisting, too. Stay with God's word. Stay on the word side. I said, stay on the word side. And you'll always triumph and you'll always win. Because God's word always wins. Just like his love. It never fails. It never fails. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus in everything. In it. Well, what does Jesus say about it? What does the word say about it? See, our opinions need to become the word of God. The Word of God needs to be such an influence in our life. It just, everything we think about, it's like the Word comes up. The Word comes up. The Word comes up and gives us understanding of this situation, of this situation. How to deal with this situation. The Word comes up. See, it needs to be a part of us. You know, just like when I was in karate, you know, the martial arts, it didn't work for you unless... It had become a reaction to you, the things that you were trained. It needed to be a reaction. So, you know, if someone jumped out at you with a knife, we, we'd learn these knife moves, you know, and we'd practice them. And I'd have somebody, you know, they'd come at you with a rubber knife or a wooden knife, and they'd come at you, and they'd come at you, like, kind of slow, and then you would, you would practice the move, you know. You'd either do this and grab and do something like that and break his arm or something like that or... Or, uh, you know, somebody lunges at you, 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 you sidestep them, and, you know, there's just all kinds of moves. I won't get it. I won't teach you all of them right now, but, <laughs> but you know, you got, you got all these different moves, and so you practice them, you practice them, and you practice them, and practice them. And I remember, I was practicing one time, I was practicing one time with, uh, I, had, I had private lessons off to the side. That's how I started in the martial arts with this, with this gentleman, Tony Biscano, second degree black belt. Guy was good. Fast as lightning. So uh, I'd go over to his garage and we'd work out over there and train and he'd give us personal lessons. And, and so we asked him about what happens if somebody takes out a gun. There's really nothing you can do if somebody takes out a gun. And so we actually re- reenacted a situation that had just, just happened in our town. Uh, where somebody came in to rob a gas station and, and uh, the gentleman was, a gun was pointing at him and he had his girlfriend there and the guy tried to mess around with his girlfriend while pointing a gun at him. So we re- reenacted the whole thing. And anyway, in re- reenact- all I had to do, now I was the bad guy, all I had to do is take my finger, point it at him and say, bang. That's all I had to do. And Tony's dead. That's all I got to do. So, so I'm over here like this, and I'm telling him, sit down, get over there. I got Tony in a corner over there. And I said, I'll, I'll shoot you if you get up. I turned around to pretend his girlfriend was there. And before I knew it, something was flying through the air. And before I could get my arm up, I had this madman shouting, <laughs> and his foot took me and threw me up against the wall, man. And I, was, I thought I was dead. I was like, my Lord. And he, he came in. He was really living it, you know. And it, it's me, Tony. It's me. 
snap out of it, man. We're only pretending here. I mean, it was fierce, you know. So I knew that we can get good enough at this where whether it's a gun or a knife or whatever, we can overcome. Well, then I went to this other karate school, and Nick was the teacher there. Nick was, uh, you know, a little overweight guy. and So Nick was teaching knife moves and things, and I had been away from class for a while, but I ran into some of the students. I said, hey, how are things going over at the school? He said, well, you know, Nick's been teaching us, you know, how to defend yourself from a knife. I said, oh, yeah, awesome. He said, and the guy looked at me and goes, but, you know, the reality of it is if somebody really pulls a knife on you, there's nothing you can do about it. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, because Nick kept getting stabbed. (laughs) I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, you can get out of this. I said, I'm telling you. It was like I had total faith that we could overcome guns, knives, because I saw somebody actually do it. But they didn't see it. So to them, it was just form, but no power. And we got to watch that our Christianity is just form and no power. That we really don't have a reality that we really have a God that is with us. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. And it is true. He will protect us. He will take care of us. And so we, we cling to his word. We stand on what he says, knowing that it's going to be the way God said it. But if you don't know that you know that you know that, then you, you, you cower down, you back down, and you, you surrender to fear. You give in to fear. You start reacting to things in fear. We don't want to react to things in fear. We want to react in faith to the word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. So, we're looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, Jesus had some joy set before him personally. That enabled him to endure the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He succeeded. He won. He won. He wins. He's still winning today through those who put their faith in him. Through you, right? Through you and through me. Jesus is still winning. Praise God. You know, he likes to win. Jesus is a winner. He's not a loser. Jesus is a winner. He likes to win. Will you let him win with your body, with your life? Will you let him win through you? That's that's what he's looking for. He's looking to win through you because he's the one that does it. He's the one that does it. He's the one that does the work. He just wants us to yield to him, cooperate with him. Speak his word. Don't even speak your own words. Shush. Speak his word. Don't speak your own word. Let this be his. Let the battle belong to the Lord. Let him be the one that gets all the glory. So a race is for those who don't care much about winning. Is that true? No, no. A race is for those who what? Who want to win. Who want to win. And you and I should be living to win. Why don't you just say, say, I live to win. We live to win. To win. We live to win. Not just exist. Not just 
wander through this life. So many people are just wandering through life. We're not here to wander. We're here to win. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just a drifter. I'm a rebel without a cause. Just drifted through life, you know. So, there's so many people, they just get caught up in the hype of things. You know, they just, they get hyped up about stuff. They get all stirred up about something, you know. If the crowd, if the right crowd gets them stirred up, they just get all stirred up. And I don't even know what they're hyped up about. They don't even know really what they're really, really, really they're fighting for. There's so many people, there's such confusion. And they just got energy just shooting in all kinds of different directions. And it's not going anywhere. They're just in complete confusion. But not you and I. Not you and I. Notice what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Huh? I mean, there's a lot of people running. I mean, and everybody, if everybody's running for the prize... I have no chance of being the one to get it. That's not what he says. He said, one receives it, and therefore run in such a way that you may obtain it. Go after it. If God is for you, who could be against you? Who could be against you? You be that one. You be that one. You can. You can obtain what God has called you to obtain. To lay hold of. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it in sports. They do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. You think about it. You think about what people will do, you know. You think, you know, I, I like to use football. It's my favorite sport. And, and, but you think about Not only the training of what these guys put themselves through. But then when they're actually out there on the field. And let's say, you know, you're a wide receiver. And you go running out there and the quarterback throws this ball and it's over your head. And you're going to have to really jump up and stretch your body out to try to grab that thing. And you think about these guys that do that knowing that there's two torpedoes with helmets on. Running at them, full strength, to hit them in their exposed bodies that are stretched out there to catch a football. And some of these guys, they get slammed. I mean, they get get it hard. And some of them, they get hit, they can't even get up again. And you look and you you see the the teammates around and you see the guy getting carted off the field, you know. And then they get back and they go, let's go. I mean, it's like they just put that out of their mind. They don't allow it to psychologically affect them. And they're ready to go out there and say, throw me the ball this time. Throw me the ball this time. I mean, they're ready to suffer and be injured. Go through incredible pain. For what? To say, yo, Adrian, we did it. I'm sorry. To just say, we did it. We won. We won. Okay. 
Look, people are clapping. Until next week when you'll lose. Think about that one. They love you this Sunday. They hate you the next. Not terrible or Saturday, which whatever you're into. But they love you one. What, they love you one game, and then they betray you the next game. Get him out of here! Get him out! Of here. He can't catch the ball. This is what people are laying their life down for. He says, if people will do all of that and give up so much for so little. What about you? What are you going to do knowing that you have an, a, a crown that does not perish? That you are going to receive heavenly rewards that will endure for all eternity. You will be praised by God himself, the creator of every human being. That's who you're going to stand before and give an account of your life. And there are rewards awaiting you, being crowned by the king. He wants to put a crown of glory on you. He wants to put a crown of righteousness on you. He's got all kinds of crowns. He wants to crown you with many crowns. That's what he wants to do for you. This is what awaits us if we live our life in such a way that we obtain it. We are running. Somebody say, I am running. running. Yeah, we're not just just strolling. Just strolling aimlessly through life. No, we're running with purpose, with fervency. Fervency, intensity. Come on, we don't don't have a whole lot of time. You know, it's crazy to think you're going to be around here forever. That's how the world lives, you know. Someone dies, and it's just like, all right, all right. And they just, every just, you know, just keeps going on like they've always gone on. It's like, no, 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 no. You see, they were as zealous as you are, but now they're dead. And someday you're going to be dead. Learn the lesson. What are you living for? What are you fighting for? What, are you, what is all your passions going into? Is it really worth it? Is that where your passions need to be? Because you're going to end up in a casket just like that someday. That's where you're going. That's why the psalmist said, Lord, give me a heart of understanding and wisdom. Teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days so that I have a heart of, that I gain a heart of of wisdom and understanding. Don't, Don't help me not to just get so caught up in this world that I think this is all there is. Friend, this is not all there is. This is a vapor. This life is a vapor. We need to be going for eternal life, eternal things. Can you say amen? That word temperate, he says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. How do I know if you're competing for the prize? How do I know if you're a contender? How do I know? Because... What does it say? Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Temperate. What do you mean? Well, that word temperate means to be self-controlled. Self-controlled. To exhibit self-government. You take control of your, you take control of your thought life. Take control of your body. You know, a lot of Christians like to talk about God's in control. God's in control. God is only in control to the degree you exercise self-control. 
Now, I wish I could make that statement known to the entire body of Christ right now. I just wish I could get that one out to the entire body of Christ. Because, you know, I'm just done with all this. God's in control. God, whatever he wants to do. God, no, 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 no. No, no, no. It's about self-control, not God control. Self-control. God is in control when you're exercising self-control. You're not exercising self-control. Devil in control. Pause and think about that one. If you're not exercising self-control, devil in control. Take control. Take control of your life. Take control of yourself. Take control of your thought life and the things that are coming out of your mouth and what you're doing with your body. Take control. Take control. Take your authority in the name of Jesus. Exercise your authority and let the devil know you can't touch this. Take control over yourself, over your life. Put the devil in his place. Win your race. Run your race. The people that aren't running their race, see, they don't take control. Oh, God, whatever he wants to do, he just does. You know, God's in control. And I, no, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not running. You're wandering. You might have the label Christian on you, but you're wandering. You're not taking control. You're just wandering. God didn't call you to wander. Now, you might make it there. You, you, might, you might wander and then die and find yourself in heaven. Thank God Jesus is good and his mercy endures forever. But then you've got to stand before him and give an account of your life as a wanderer and a vagabond like Cain was on the earth. Remember Cain? Over there in Genesis, the fourth chapter. He, he killed his brother, murdered his brother, and he went out from the presence of the Lord, left the presence of the Lord, and, and became a wanderer, a vagabond on the earth. We're not going to follow in the example of Cain. We're not going to follow his example. We're looking unto Jesus. Can you say amen? He goes on, verse 26, Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. There's a lot of people beating air. All this passion. And what are you swinging at? You're swinging at vapor. That's what you're swinging at. You're, you're just swinging. You're making all this noise, all this noise, all this noise. I don't want to just be a noisemaker. Too, too much of the church world has gotten involved in all this noise, making all this noise, all this noise. We're people of substance. We're people that fight with purpose. And we're focused. And we've got eternity on the mind. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty. I'm not going through my life uncertain. Unsure. Undecided. That's, that's a life of confusion. I'm just so confused. Unsure, uncertain. We're just not sure. We just don't know. I, I'm just, I just can't. I, I just don't, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do today. I know exactly what you're supposed to do today. I know what you're supposed to do tomorrow. And if you'll do what you know to do, then everything else will come in line. See? A lot of people walk around confused about their life. I'm unsure. I'm uncertain. I'm unsure. How many people, there's no faith in that. That's just double-mindedness. When you're undecided, you're just double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man is what? Unstable. 
You're unsure, uncertain. You're unstable in all your ways. So, so what do we know to do? What do we know to do? We know to follow Jesus. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, I've shared it before. You know, like when we were getting towards the end of uh, Bible school. Graduation was right around the corner. People started getting very concerned, you know, because they knew they had heard from God to leave wherever they were, whatever state they were living in, whatever kind of job or business they had to leave. And they, they knew, they knew, they knew that God heard from God, very definite calling to go out there to this Bible school, just like me. I knew I was supposed to go there. And now, after a couple of years, you know, graduation is around the corner and people don't know what they're supposed to do next. And they start getting in, you know, getting all uptight about it. They start, you know, asking each other, you know, one another, hey, what are you going to do after graduation? Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure yet. God hasn't told me. God hasn't told me. That's a famous one. God hasn't told me. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. And, and you can see people are trying to find comfort or trying to find direction. Through other people, you know, maybe, maybe get, some, get something if somebody says something that, you know, might help them. They find somebody that's got some direction and then it'll help them. So it started, this anxiety started getting on me. So I went out to my place of prayer and I said, Lord, I said, graduation's right around the corner. I said, uh, what do you want me to do? Do I go back to New York? I mean, wh- wh- where do I go from here? What do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke right back to my heart. He said, what were you doing when I called you? Here, to Rama. That was the name of the school. He said, what, what were you doing when I called you? Were you seeking to go to Rama? I said, no, I was just seeking you. He said, keep doing it. Keep doing it. I mean, that's how I got here. Looking unto Jesus. Following Jesus. Going after Jesus. Not lightly. Not just a little bit. Not just a little Jesus, just enough, just enough Jesus on Sunday, you know? A little pinch of Jesus to your big life, your big, oh, you got such a busy life. A little pinch of Jesus. No, not a pinch of Jesus. Jesus is your life. He is your life. I got news for you. Everything else is a pinch. Everything else is just a pinch. And when everything else is just a pinch, life is a cinch. You should write that one down. That was pretty good. <laughs> when everything's a pinch, <laughs> just a little bit, you know, life's a cinch. Looking unto Jesus. So next thing you know, you know, I go back to school. Say, I got it. I heard from God on that. I got it. Well, that's easy. I, man, that's what I've been doing. He, just, he got me back on track, you know. Went back to school. People started coming up. He said, what do you, hey, do you know what you're going to do after graduation? Where are you going to go? You going back to New York? I said, no. I said, I'm just going to enjoy my salvation. Huh? Yeah, I'm just going to enjoy my salvation. I'm going to enjoy Jesus. People ran off to try to find somebody else to tell them what they're going to do after graduate. That was the answer. What are you going to do? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm looking unto Jesus. Now, that might sound simple, but it's profound for most people. That you're really looking on to him, really looking to his word, really looking to him for direction. So we shouldn't be going through life uncertain. We're following the, very, they're following the very purpose and plan of God for our life. Are you in the place that you're supposed to be in? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And if you are, then do it with all your might. See, yeah, there's, no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about where I'm supposed to be. There's no doubt about what I'm doing. And we'll see, well, why, don't, why, why aren't you uncertain? Why aren't you uncertain, Pastor? Because 
I'm looking unto Jesus. I'm following him. I'm going after him. And as a result of that, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. I don't allow a whole lot of stuff from the devil just get there, get on my life and, 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 and weigh me down and bring confusion into my world. So you take charge. Man, I'm looking unto Jesus. Get out of my way. Well, that, that I, you know, Pastor, I, I got this new job, and this job's just, it just, it keeps you so busy from looking unto Jesus. You're backslidden. You're entangled. You're ensnared. What are you going to do about it? You've turned the pinch into the whole deal. And Jesus has become the little, the little extra. The little extra. It's going to leave you in confusion. What, what did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then everything else is going to fall in line. But you get that reversed, you're going to live an uncertain life. Uncertain life. Even the most passionate people, they're uncertain. All you got to do is just mess around with their little world a little bit. And you can see how confused they are. As soon as things start going wrong. So we, we don't want to get into all this strife and confusion. And, but, see, if you're someone who doesn't make a decision to do the right thing, then you're going to be given over to a lot of division, a lot of confusion, a lot of strife. You become spiritually blinded when you're double-minded. But praise God, I've made up my mind. I'm going to follow the word. How about you? Do we have followers of the word in here? He goes on, verse 27. He said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Help me know your body needs to be disciplined. It needs to be disciplined. You got to take out the rod sometimes, spank yourself. Discipline your body. Bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, ministered to others, I myself should become disqualified. Notice that ministering to others doesn't take the place of living for the Lord yourself. You know, ministering God to others is not a substitute for living a godly life yourself. See? So we got to live a godly life. Otherwise, we'll be disqualified. Just like every race. It has a specific course, a specific route, track, or a path that you run on. Now, the human race is, you know, made up of a lot of humans running what you would call a rat race. I said the rat race. Man, it's like a rat race. Has anybody ever used that expression? Man, life is like a rat race. What, is, what are they talking about there when they say it's like a rat, rat, rat race? They're saying it's an endless self-defeating or pointless pursuit that they're going after. We're not supposed to be in this rat race. Again, wandering through life. We might look like we're a part of the human race, but we're really running a heavenly race. We're all about the heavenly race. Not this human race. So again, where does wandering start? Where does this wandering come from? It comes from wandering from the Lord. You wander from him, you're going to wander through life. And you can focus your energies on something, and people do. You know, people focus their energy on a business. They'll focus their energy on a job or focus their energy on politics or they'll focus their energy on this or that. And they focus their energy on something. 
But in reality, they're really just wandering because many times what you're focusing on is wandering. But the Lord's not wandering. The Word's not wandering. A lot of folks are focused on wandering things. They set their sights on, we're going to make this amount of money, we're going to retire. Well, the Bible says don't do that because, you know, money can wander away. No, we're really prospering. If we'll do this, we'll buy, we'll sell, we'll do this, do this, do this. You, know, you set your heart on these riches and then they, 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 all of a sudden they grow wings. They grow wings and they fly away. How people know your money could just fly away? Your business could just fly away. How people know everything could change overnight? And all these natural things could just fly away. So all these things are just, all these things are out there floating. So you don't want to be a floater that's focused on floating things. We're focused on the Lord. We put our faith in Him. And we're not wanderers. We're focused. Proverbs 21, verse 16. It says, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. It doesn't sound like my kind of church. But we've had a lot of people leave this church, and today they're in an assembly of dead Christians. What do you mean? No faith. How many know faith without works is? Faith without works is? It's dead. So there's a lot of dead churches. A lot of dead churches. If we wander from the way, then we might end up in a dead church among the dead. So we don't want to wander from the way. What's the way? Jesus said, I'm the way. Didn't he say that? Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way. The truth. Which way do we go? Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, he is our understanding from God. And so if we'll stay focused on him, we won't uh, end up in the assembly of the dead. Wanderers die in a wilderness of bewilderment. Bewilderment. Be, be, wilder, wildment. Be wild. Just, they just live a, lot, a wild life. There's no self-control. There's no self-discipline, no self-government. They're just out of control. And things are just wild. Things are just wild. Well, you know, if things are allowed to just go wild, then anything can grow out there in the garden of your life. So we don't want that to happen. Proverbs 27, verse 8. It says, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Just wanders from his place. How many people have just, God, finally got him in, his, in their place, finally got him in his will, and then they, hey, they wander off. Why, well, you wander from the way, you wander from your place. You're not going to stay in the right place if you don't stay with the Lord. If you stay with the Lord, you're always going to end up in the right place. You know, it's like the Lord saying, you stick with me and everything's going to go out, turn around good. Everything's going to work out just fine. Stay with me. Stay with me. But you begin to wander from him. Your opinions start taking over. The word of God isn't the driving force in your life. And next thing you know, you're out of your place. You're out of your grace. And you're about to fall flat on your face. Not a good place to be. Unless you're worshiping God. Then you can fall on your face purposely. See, if I fall on my face, I do it on purpose. But we don't want to just fall on our face just because something made us fall on our face. We got tripped up. We got knocked over. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But remember this, things fall in place when we take our place.
We take our place in God. It's amazing how many things will fall in place. Wonderful. I don't have to try to fix. I don't run around trying to, trying to put out little fires and try to fix every little thing in life. No, no, no. Everything falls in place when you take your place. Take your place in God. Take it. Some people got to take things back from the devil. Say, that's mine. I'm taking it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent, they sure hope things come back to them. What do the violent do? They take it. They take it by force. And when the Bible talks about how faith receives, that word receive means to take. It takes things by violent force. Violent force. You got to be violent. You got to be violent about Jesus. Violent about God. I'm all about violence. We got to get violent. Church needs to get violent. But it isn't out there on the streets. It's in prayer. It's in speaking the word of God. It's in being in faith. Violent faith. James chapter 5, verse 19 says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. What's he wandering from? Who, who's wandering from the truth? Uh, a brethren. A fellow child of God. See, someone that's among us, brethren. He's talking to the children of God. In other words, they're in the truth. But they don't stay there. They wander from the truth. If anyone wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, that's ministry, turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Notice that when a child of God wanders from the truth, the Bible calls him a sinner. Isn't that interesting? You wander from the truth, you're a sinner. So we don't want to be sinners anymore. We were sinners, but now we're saints. So we're clinging to the truth. I don't know about you. I want to, I want to stay a saint. Can you, lose, can you lose saint status? Huh? I don't want to lose Saint Stephen status. I don't want to lose that status. I, I don't want my status to be replaced with sinner. Oh, no, I've been there, done that. I'm, no, we're done with that. Well, if, if you're just a wanderer, you're going to wander from the truth. See, I'm talking about looking unto Jesus. I'm talking about running your race. I'm talking about being determined. I'm talking about someone that's like an athlete that is disciplining himself, doing everything he can to finish this race and to finish right, to succeed and get the prize. To get the crown of righteousness, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If you don't have that kind of heart or attitude, if you're, if you're kind of passive about these things, and maybe this message is a little bit too much for you, then you're a wanderer and you will drift from the truth. And you'll end up in the assembly of the dead. And I don't want to end up in the assembly of the dead. Do you? No, I want to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand your feet? Let's thank God. We're winners. We're more than conquerors. We're going to run this thing. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. 
And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.